Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. We are in the book of Revelation, and I'm so thankful you are with us. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless you today. In Revelation, we are still in Revelation 14, but this will conclude Revelation chapter 14 today. We were almost able to conclude it in the last episode. We just had a few more, and I thought it would be a little bit too long to finish in that episode, so that's why we did this one today. We should be able to conclude this chapter today, do some brief review of where we are, and then plan to move into Revelation chapter 15 tomorrow in the next episode. In Revelation chapter 14, I'd like to begin by reading verses 17 through 20 again to us. Revelation 14, verse 17 through 20. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, who had power over fire, and he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridle for 1,600 furlongs. Now, we talked a good bit about the wine press in the last episode. We looked at the wine press, its function, what was happening with the grapes when they would be put into the wine press, how they were tread, and the blood of the grapes is what they would squeeze out. And that's what would drain out of the wine press, and they would collect that, and then they would have their grape juice or their wine that they would make from that. We saw how when this treading is done, it is done outside the city, meaning outside Jerusalem, in the Kidron Valley area. The blood, the blood of the grapes, the blood of these bitter grapes, which in this case is the blood of God's enemies, will be tread, will actually come to pass and accumulate in a pool, so to speak, up to the horse's bridle in that day for almost 200, for about 200 miles long and as deep as it takes to come up to the horse's bridle in that day in that final battle. So this is what is talking about here. Now, we looked at the timing of this, that this actually happens at the culmination when Jesus comes back at his second coming. Now we want to see who the treader is. Who is treading the grapes in this wine press? Who is doing that? And why? How is it he, he that is doing it? Why is that so? So in the last episode, we ended just briefly mentioning Revelation 19. I'm going to go back there now and read that so that we understand exactly who the treader of the grapes in this wine press of the wrath of Almighty God is. Who's doing it? 
who is the only one who can do it, and why is that so? So it is the Lord himself, Jesus Christ. We find that clearly told to us in a couple of passages that we're going to look at today to establish that truth. Revelation 19. In Revelation 19, I'd like to begin reading in verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself. Who? He himself, the rider on this white horse, Jesus the Lord, the one who, whose name is called the word of God, the one who has the robe dipped in blood, possibly referring to the blood stains from this wine press, so to speak. Also, of course, Jesus' blood paid for all of our sins. He's the one that has the sharp sword in his mouth, and it's going to strike the nations when it is released. He himself is the one and only that's told that he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. It's he himself, continuing in the reading, he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. He is the treader of the winepress of the wrath of the Almighty God. He, the one who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ himself at his second coming is the one who is the treader of this winepress. This also fulfills Old Testament prophecy as well. And I want to look at a few of those passages. The first one I want us to look at is Isaiah chapter 63. In Isaiah chapter 63, I want to read beginning in verse 1 through verse 6. Who is this who comes from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This one who is glorious in his apparel traveling in the greatness of his strength. I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like one who treads in the winepress? Verse three, the answer. I have trodden the winepress alone and from the peoples, no one was with me. For I have trodden them in my anger and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my robes. 
for the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. I looked, but there was no one to help, and I wondered that there was no one to uphold. Therefore my own arm brought salvation for me, and my own fury it sustained me. I have trodden down the peoples in my anger, made them drunk in my fury, and brought down their strength to the earth. Isaiah here is prophetically speaking of that coming of Jesus Christ, and more specifically about the treading of the winepress, the fact that he is coming up from Basra with stained garments, and those garments are stained with the blood of the grapes of wrath, with the blood of these grapes that he has tread in the winepress, and these peoples he has trodden down. So it all ties together with these last few episodes that we have looked at to understand. And Isaiah also is telling us here that this is the day of vengeance, and the Lord is coming in his fury, just like Revelation 19 said, and he is making war and bringing forth his vengeance on these evildoers and establishing true justice in the earth. So keep in mind that according to Isaiah here, the possible route when he returns appears to be that he goes to Basra, saves the remnant Jews because that's where they are. According to scripture, we've looked at that when we talked about the flight to the wilderness that's the Jews are to do, and they will do that at the very middle point of the, of the tribulation. And so they are holed up, provided for, and drawn to the Lord, allured in repentance to the Lord in this place that the scripture calls Basra. Some say it's Petra. It may be one the same, but the scripture calls it Basra. And so the word of God through Isaiah here in 63, chapter 63, tells us that he is coming up from Basra in the area of Edom, and he's coming up then with this stained garment. He's going then to be riding in to Jerusalem and battling, defeating his enemies. As a matter of fact, there really won't be any battle. He's going to release the word, and that word is going to do its job, and they will be destroyed. He will defeat his enemies in that final battle, as he then is treading the winepress. And the blood of that those grapes are on his robe. Another word for the juice of grapes is blood. So it's referred to as if it's blood, but it's the juice of the grapes that Isaiah tells us is on his robe, because he has had to trample down these bitter grapes these evildoers, these people. And it says that the blood then of his enemies will be up to the horse's bridle for approximately 200 miles. Now, when I look at a few other scriptures that attest also to Jesus, who he is, and his coming as this great and mighty judge and treader of the winepress, Let's first look at Psalm 110, and I want to read Psalm 110, beginning in verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. 
The Lord will send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. You have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. So here in Psalm 110, we know this to be Jesus, the son of the living God, confirmed by the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 1 and in other places where he quotes and says that he is priest forever after the order of Melchizedek and that it is to the Son that God the Father has said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So this is also prophetically speaking of that coming day at Jesus' second coming and it fits perfectly, establishing for us the treading of the grapes of this winepress, filling the places with the dead bodies, and executing these evildoers as he judges and brings true vengeance and righteousness to bear. Also in Psalm chapter 45, which is known to the Jewish people as the wedding song of the Messiah, it says in verse 3 through 6 of Psalm 45, notice this, Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one, with your glory and your majesty. And in your majesty ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies." The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. So here we're given these details that also connect with exactly what we're reading in Revelation 14, Revelation 19, Isaiah 63, and Psalm 110. So here we see it expressed in Psalm 45. The Lord is riding. He has his sword. It speaks of his thigh also. Remember his name written on his thigh. Speaks of him riding in glory and majesty because of truth, humility, and righteousness. It talks about the arrows or his sharp sword going forth. And it says it's sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. And the peoples fall, or the peoples die under him. The peoples are defeated. And then it speaks of how he then will ascend his throne and come in and establish his millennial messianic kingdom. Next, let's look at Joel chapter 3 and read verses 13 through 17 of Joel chapter 3. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full, the vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will grow dark, and the stars will diminish their brightness. 
The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then Jerusalem shall be holy, and no aliens shall ever pass through her again. So this is speaking through the prophet Joel of that coming day of the Lord when he will come in the second coming. He's going to be treading that full wine press of the greatness of their wickedness. It mentions multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. The, the wine press is trampled outside the city in the valley, in the valley of Jehoshaphat, in the Kidron Valley the valley where this final war and battle will be placed. And then it speaks of the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord coming to the valley of decision, this day of the Lord's vengeance. Next, I want to read Isaiah chapter 18, verses 5 and 6. For before the harvest, when the bud is perfect and the sour grape is ripening in the flower, he will both cut off the sprigs with pruning hooks and take away and cut down the branches. They will be left together for the mountain birds of prey and for the beasts of the earth. The birds of prey will summer on them and all the beasts of the earth will winter on them. Now this is also speaking of that day. And we'll discuss this more in Revelation 19 when we get there, Lord willing. But it also connects with the feast and the sacrificial meal for the mountain birds of prey and the beasts of the earth that will be feeding on these dead bodies at that time. And then I want to read Jeremiah chapter 25 verse 30. Therefore prophesy against them all these words and say to them, the Lord will roar from on high and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He will roar mightily against his foal. He will give a shout as those who tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. So this is also speaking about the Lord being the one who is treading the grapes. He is the treader of the winepress in this day. Evil will be dealt with then. The cup of iniquity, so to speak, that's been filling up and filling up and filling up for millennia, since all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, it's now full. The grapes are rat ripe. The wine press is full and now is being trodden down by Jesus, the Lord himself, the victor who is the treader of this wine press. Now, as we begin to draw to a close, I just want to take a moment to review Revelation for us so far to see where we are. We have seen that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. We saw the risen Lord in the first chapter. Chapters two and three, we saw the church operating in the church age and the words of the Lord to his church during the season where the church is on the earth doing the work of the kingdom, which is what we're still living in now at the time of this recording. Then we looked at Revelation chapter 4 and 5, showing us our rapture, we believe, 
the, the time when the Lord will come and gather his church. And then we see the worship service in heaven. We see the 24 elders as the royal priesthood, it appears. And then we see the 24 elders singing the song of the redeemed, how the Lord has redeemed us out of every nation, tribe, and tongue, and people. We see the lamb, the worthy lamb, and we see how he is the only one worthy. He is the one to whom it belongs and the only one worthy to take the seven-sealed scroll. Then beginning in chapter 6, all the way through where we are now, especially chapter 6 through 9, we see the opening of the seals and the six trumpet judgments. We also see the narrative chapter in chapter 7 that explains the question of chapter 6 when it ends. Then in Revelation chapters 10 through 14, we have seen that this is the largest chunk of narration in the book of Revelation and that this narrative section gives us quite a bit of information of backstory of who the players are, what's happening, and why. It gives us more detail on the timeline by helping us understand where and when the events happen. We saw that at the sounding of the seventh trumpet, it was decreed that there would be no more delay. It's a transition time, and it will usher in the finalization of the wrath of Almighty God. Chapters 10 through 14 set up and explain everything for us, and they are very serious and very serious information here given for us to understand. Chapter 10 we see the seventh angel decreeing the completion of the wrath and the mystery of God with no further delay. It's already decreed. It's on the way. It's being brought to pass and executed now from this point forward. Chapter 11, we saw the two witnesses. We looked at those. We looked at the ministry of them. We looked at the mission they're given, and we looked at their identity according to Revelation chapter 11. We also saw about the seventh trumpet being sounded and the kingdom being decreed. The kingdoms of this world are now becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he is beginning to reign. We also saw that this is the time, it appears, where the Bema seat judgment for the believer will happen we looked in chapter 12, and we found out about the woman, the male child, and the dragon. And we saw the identity of those, the woman representing Israel, the male child being the Lord himself, possibly also his church included in that as his body, and the dragon being the devil. Then in chapter 13, we were introduced to the beast, or the imposter we're calling him here, the Antichrist, and his sidekick, deceivingly, the false prophet, his deceiving sidekick. We also learned about the worship that they will institute of the image of the beast and the mark of the beast that will be implemented without which you cannot buy or sell during those times. And then now we have come through chapter 14, beginning with the lamb and the 144,000 in heaven, then continuing through, to the fact that at this three-and-a-half point, midpoint in the tribulation and beyond in the finalization 
of the tribulation. There is the reaping of the earth of the bitter grapes and the translation coming forth to the better. God is reaping the earth of all the bitter grapes. He's going to put an end to that. And it will usher in and culminate in the second coming of Jesus, where after he defeats his enemies and deals with the nations, he will establish his eternal kingdom reign. Jesus is the victor. Jesus is the treader of the grapes. Jesus is Shiloh or Shiloh, the one to whom it belongs. Remember, Revelation is the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. He shines through here, and we see him fulfilling all of the prophecies that yet remain to be fulfilled and come to pass. This is the book that gives us that wrap-up, and this book is all about Jesus I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.